Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. We took a couple a week off for the holidays and but let's let's get the good news first. The Blackhawks beat the Winnipeg Jets in overtime. An unbelievable shot by Connor Bedard. Really nice. The rest of the games, not so much. Although they did uh force overtime against the Stars in the first game on Friday and then well, the Stars must have been pretty mad about that game because uh, they won eight to one the next game. But you know, you know, it's just it's been some rough games. Like we kind of figured one fun game, and I guess the big story is just a lot of injuries. Yeah, it's unfortunately getting pretty ugly on the injury front. Uh, I think I think it's up to seven or eight guys on IR now. The latest being Anthony Beauvillier and Tyler Johnson uh, in these last couple of games. Um, and from the sounds of it, none of these guys are nearing a return. The, the, the timetable seems to be on every one of them weeks at the, you know, at the shortest. So to, to find one silver lining, the, you know, the only... <clears throat> season-ending injury we've heard of so far is Taylor Hall, but the the Hawks are in, in dire straits at the moment, and uh, no relief uh, seems to be uh, coming anytime soon. So, you know, this this was a – it was tough for the Blackhawks to remain competitive even when they were healthy. With the current state of the roster, um, you're going to see – you're likely to see quite a few five-to-one, five-to-two five to nothing, six to one games. Uh, like we, get away, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Nick Felino is doing everything he can to try and keep the Blackhawks focused and uh, trying to get them to give a hundred percent effort every week or every game. I mean, I uh, guess, you know, he's doing what they brought him in to do, but exactly a little bit kind of ridiculous because you're like, I don't, I don't think there's a speech that's going to make a team this beat up and undermanned to begin with. It, there's probably not much you can say. I don't think they're purposely playing badly. No, no. I mean, he I, he can't will them to victory, but I'm, I'm hoping he can at least keep them focused enough where uh, they can avoid uh, <laughs> some of the efforts like we saw against Dallas in that second game. Where you know if the Blackhawks, then it gets it gets out of hand. Right, right. Um, you know the 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 low talent level on the roster with all the guys up from the AHL and that if if they only give ninety percent effort, they're going to get blown out of the water by uh, any NHL team that is giving you know even eighty percent effort is going to you know, win by multiple game or multiple goals against the Hawks in all likelihood. So they've got to maintain that hundred or close to hundred percent effort pretty much every game. Um, otherwise, yeah, they're to get, they're going to get out of hand. So, you know, it, it's viewer discretion. Um, you know, you can tune in and you're likely to see Bedard do some pretty interesting things but you're also going to have some games like 
uh, last night where he was fairly invisible because there's just not much help for him. Yes, and that's one of those things too. It's just when you're when your team's tanking, and unfortunately, we both have some experience watching tanking teams or rebuilding teams. It's okay when things go. You don't have to watch the final period of like the seven. Yeah. You can you can just check for after the game on weekends. You don't have to watch all the right. Yeah, I mean, if if you find yourself getting overly frustrated with the Blackhawks, uh, d- don't watch, man. Don't don't watch. Um, it's it's not going to affect anything. Um, I'm I'm able to watch these games and compartmentalize a little bit, realize the situation that they're in. You know, I get a few minutes of frustration here and there, but I can still uh, enjoy. Um, you know, the process that's happening, but everybody's got to decide that level of commitment <laughs> that they're willing to, to put forth. Cause you're going to see some ugly hockey on and off throughout the rest of this season. It's just unavoidable at this point. Yeah. And we've talked about it like, I mean, almost every episode, but I mean, when you're, when you're ta- tearing down the team, they tore down the team to get Bedard, but it's going to take a while to, you know, I saw an interesting stat that I think it was like the Penguins with Crosby, McDavid, the Oilers, they all finished in last place in their first year with those players. So this is not unexpected. Yeah, I want to say both of those teams were the worst team in the league. They got um, those two guys as a reward for that. But yeah, the, the following season, I think both of them finished second to last. So, you know, I mean, those are the two generational talents um, that we've most recently seen. And those guys by themselves move their team up one spot in the, in, you know, in the rankings. Um, it makes so, sense because to get those players, you have to completely. Yeah. So. Yeah. And. You know, in both of those cases, those guys walked into teams with a little bit more talent. Edmonton had already earned a, a first overall pick. You know, he had Taylor Hall. He had, I can't remember if Nugent Hopkins was the year before or the year after, but he at least had Taylor Hall there. Yeah. Um, and Crosby. Latang uh, was there, I think. Uh, I believe Latang was there, um, but. Lemieux came out of re- um, played some games that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ziggy Palfy was still there in his, I think, his, in his final season in the NHL. Uh, they had some really talented players. They just didn't have anything beyond, you know, their top three or four guys were better than what the Blackhawks have. But no, you know, you okay. go down the rest of that roster, it's very similar to what. what Malkin the was so. the year after, right? He was drafted the year after. Uh, honestly, I want to say he might have been drafted the year before. Okay. But he was still over in Russia at that point. Okay. But it, you know, regardless of the timing, Malkin, I don't think made it to the NHL until the year after. Yeah. So um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, like I said, in both cases, they had a little bit more talent to work with. Um, whereas with uh, the Blackhawks. I mean, this is it's it's ground zero. It's year one. Yes. Um, there's just nothing left. <laughs> um, and 
you know, the, the Taylor Hall signing was, I thought, a stepping stone to at least give Bedard somebody to work with. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, injuries have prevented him from playing. <laughs> and um, the Blackhawks had no fallback, unfortunately. And it's, yeah, we're, we're kind of at the point where it's very much a one-man band out there for him. I was going to ask you about a, the kind of fun thing on the internet that that's been going around, which I think I would think be okay with, but I don't think it really matters that much. But all these people pulling for um, Phil Kessel to come to the Blackhawks. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I I haven't really watched Kessel much the last couple of years. I seriously doubt he's got much left in the tank. But I mean, if the Blackhawks suffer another injury at forward, uh, you know, <laughs> what could it hurt? Um, you know, especially if they still intend to trade anybody at the deadline, you know, if, if they move a couple of guys, you know, will they even have enough people to fill out a roster if, if there's still significant injuries at that point? So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. Um, so that kind of tells you that he's probably, if he's not generating any interest at this point, He's probably right. that much left. You know, I mean, if if he actually still had anything left in the tank, I'm sure there would be a contending team that would offer him a league minimum deal, you know, yeah. that would, and let him make a run that way. But yeah, uh, you know, they did, I hope, make a fairly shrewd waiver claim today, yeah. uh, picking up Joseph Megna uh, from Seattle, uh, who unfortunately does not help the forward situation at this point but i'm hoping he can help stabilize the bottom pairing and on I, defense i just noticed too that i saw your tweet too that another gigantic defenseman six six yes six six two twenty um physical um very similar to tenority but a maybe a little more mobile yeah um so yeah i i'm just hopeful that will allow them to send down one of Phillips or Crevier, uh, who have both been struggling fairly significantly of late. Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is the, the the type of move that I talked about all preseason, all throughout the first couple of months of the season, was that the Blackhawks were one injury away from being forced to um, yo-yo guys up from Rockford. Yes, and you don't. You know they're they're pretty much sitting a rookie defenseman more or less every game. Um, they're they're having guys play six six defenseman minutes. They're having guys flip flop between the left and the right side. That's not the best situation to put a twenty one year old in. And I think you know, especially in the case of Phillips, uh, it's it's been a a tough go for him. Um, because yeah. of that and just having another veteran body around um, prevents that. Mm-hmm. And with Seth Jones, you know, seemingly still weeks away, I, I think this is the right move and let, let Phillips go back down. Um, I, you know, we, we talked about it last month when they sent both him and Kaiser down at the same time that I thought it was a good idea to let those two play together, let Phillips get big minutes on the right side with Phillips on the left. And then maybe, you know, 
after the trade deadline or late in the season, they can maybe bring them both back up. And, you know, after they've established a little bit of a continuity down in Rockford, but, but it doesn't help to bring them up and play them like 10 minutes a game. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it would be something if, you know, he could play 10 to 12 minutes and he was playing fairly well. It's, you know, it's been one good game, three bad games, one good game, three bad games uh, for a pretty consistent stretch here since he returned. And I just think it's, it's, you know, and then plus they've been flip flipping him from the left to the right side, depending on who else is available on any given night. And again, I just, I don't think that's the best way to break a guy like him into the league. So. Yeah. I will say, um, speaking of Seattle, Playing the Blackhawks, I must have inspired him or something because they're on a roll. Yeah, they had uh, um, won a couple of games prior um, to that uh, dismantling of the Blackhawks a few weeks ago. And yeah, they've been continuing to play good hockey, have gotten back into the playoff picture. And I very much enjoyed uh, the Winter Classic. <laughs> oh, yeah, you went to the Winter Classic. Um, I did, I did. Uh, my second outdoor uh, game, uh, I had gone to the the one in Soldier Field against Pittsburgh several years ago. And yeah, this was, I guess this was my first uh, January 1st official winter classic one. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, thankfully it was 45 degrees as opposed to the 10 or 15 it was <laughs> in the, the game at Soldier Field. Yep. Uh, so it was a much more a much more pleasant viewing experience that way, but yeah, uh, Seattle three to nothing it was it's been looking very good for them, and hey, they just gave us a gift with a hopefully usable NHL defenseman this week. Yeah, so. Now that I'm thinking about it, didn't the Blackhawks shut out get a shutout in that game against the Penguins at Soldier Field? They did very well at it. It was it was a it was a definitely a good victory for the Hawks. I do not remember what the final score was, um, but that, that was a that was a March game. That wasn't a January first game. So I think uh, I think the Kraken game here the other day was the first official Winter Classic shutout. Yeah, I think the other one was like a Stadium Series or whatever they called it. Yeah, whatever they call them. Yeah. You know, and then like the the Canadian ones that they used to do, I think are called like the Heritage Classics, or I don't know if they still do those or not. But yeah, the actual January first Winter Classic All Eyes On event um, is yeah. I think this was the first shutout. So I guess the other thing we'll talk about is just Connor Bedard, still very good, still very good. Yes, yeah, to get um, the Winnipeg in overtime. That was insane. Yeah, I mean, the we've seen him score. It's some pretty impressive goals over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, he did the lacrosse style goal on top of um, the one you're referring to uh, shootout. Um, you know, we we've we've, we've kind of seen it all from him of late. The the lone bright spot. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, him and I, I, I do think we should continue to point out Alex Vlasic as well. Um, he is the other young player who is consistently playing well. It's basically been whatever 
defensive pairing he's been on this year, whether he's been paired with Seth Jones or now Connor Murphy has been their most reliable tandem. Uh, Murphy has been playing pretty well of late. Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence that it's coincided with getting to play with Vlasic more often. I guess two other encouraging things is that both of those guys are are playing well as on top of Bedard. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Kirk, Philip Kershev believer, but, you know, he's still basically the only other guy that's yeah. consistently putting up any kind of points, even though, you know, I still think it's just being a bit more of a passenger than yeah. being somebody who actually drives anything. But, hey, <laughs> Yeah, the rest of the roster as now, he looks much better than that. So than the rest of the exactly. Roster. Yeah. I mean, he's the best option they have, but I you know Well on a good team it wouldn't be. No, no. And hopefully, you know, next year, you know, he's they can put him in a more reasonable spot in the lineup. But for that the time being, yeah, you know, <laughs> he's pretty much gonna be stapled to Bedard because I, I just don't know what else they would turn to. Um, you know, maybe at the end of the year, depending on if Michigan is playing for a national title or not, I, I uh, honestly haven't really paid much attention to uh, the records in college hockey this year. But um, if Nazer can get any games, then maybe you can have him break in the final few games as a winger with Bedard. No, he was um, even. It, was he playing in the juniors? This year. Yeah, so the World Junior Championships have been going on for the last uh, 10 days or so. Uh, um, and the, uh, six Blackhawks prospects uh, have participated in it, four on the U.S. team, two on the Slovakian team. Uh, Slovakia was uh, eliminated uh, the other day, um, despite some pretty solid efforts from uh, Adam Guyon in goal. Uh, he really uh, uh, held that team in, in in a lot of games. And I thought they were a dark horse for playing in the medal round here. But uh, they, like I said, they got eliminated in their last game. And then um, at this point, uh, Canada has also been eliminated. And uh, so that means that the U.S., who probably were favored over Canada anyway, and Sweden are in line Um to maybe meet up in the gold medal game, which I think will be a pretty darn good matchup. Those are two very good rosters. Um, but yeah, the U.S. side, uh, Oliver Moore uh, kind of started uh, the tournament lower in the lineup, but the last two games has been uh, promoted to the first line left wing, and his speed has made an impact in both games. Uh, Frank Nazer's been the second line center throughout the tournament for the U.S. And uh, I don't think he's oh, – he. Yeah, I think he's still tied for the tournament lead in assists, um, but he hasn't scored a goal yet, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, again, showing very well. His speed is making an impact. And then uh, Gavin Hayes has kind of been a fourth liner for most of the tournament, hasn't really made much of an impact. And then Sam Renzel uh, has been – uh, third pairing defenseman for the U.S. throughout the tournament as well. So, yeah, uh, very good showing um, from 
a group of the Blackhawks prospects that are involved in the tournament. And, uh, you know, hopefully the U.S. can uh, at least reach the gold medal game and we get a couple couple uh, good efforts out of uh, those prospects in the next few days. So I guess now we can look forward to the games coming up this weekend. During the New York area, um, at least the East Coast, I thought I'm not quite sure the exact. Yeah, thing. we've we've got the Rangers on Thursday and then the Devils on Friday, so it's it's back to back in the tri-state area there, and you know, again, with the state of the roster, yeah, most of the big blowouts have happened on the road, so back to back games against two good teams, yeah. They've got to be prepared. Um, they can't. They can't afford um, a lackluster effort. Um, but then, yeah, they do return home after that uh, and get to play a couple of the Canadian teams, a struggling Calgary side, and then uh, you know the, a resurgent Edmonton team. Yeah. On Sunday and Tuesday. So I guess we're not surprised. <laughs> as talented as their roster was, that they eventually turned it on, and they have. And they have. Yep. So they've gotten themselves back in the thick of things. And with the exception of a possible San Jose game <laughs> between now and the end of the season, I, I think it's unlikely that the Blackhawks will be favored or even, you know, fairly close to a money line if you're into the gambling thing um, at, at, at any point the rest of the season. <laughs> they might, you know, that Flames one, they might be able to hold in because the Flames have been struggling, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, you still the Flames still have a, a deeper roster um, than the Hawks, especially given all of the current injuries. Um, I mean, the the, the Blackhawks are going to be icing at least one line of just straight-up AHL talent, um, if not even more than that. If not too. So, it's, yeah, it's it's a really dire situation um, but, you know there's really just nothing you can do about it i mean you can't prepare for this amount of injuries the one thing i will say is there's usually at like one every four games where they're at least in it like they've had a couple over yeah. there's a every once in a while like one of these games they might win or be in but it's, yeah and it's unpredictable as to the opponent as well i mean we've seen them almost beat Dallas. We've seen them beat Vegas. We've seen them beat Boston. We've seen them beat just the, the, the average. I mean, we've seen them beat just about every top team, Yeah. but we've also seen them get blown out by just about every top team. And we've <laughs> also seen them get blown out by bad teams. So we just literally had two games in the same place back to back. One was super competitive overtime went down the final seconds Right. And then 8-1. So right. I mean that 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 back to back against Dallas is like you said, a prime example of what you know what we're seeing from the Blackhawks, where you know it's one competitive game, then generally three non-competitive games, something along that ratio. And yeah, just kind of the luck of the draw as to which opponent is going to face a motivated and um, you know, high effort Blackhawks team on any given night. And, you know, the other factor is Bedard, yeah. how well Bedard, but also how serious are 
the opponents taking the Blackhawks on any given night. I don't think it's a coincidence that good team, um, yeah. you know, in that Dallas, the first game was competitive mm-hmm. more than likely. The uh, I, can, I, I can envision Dallas players thinking, Oh, this is a pretty shorthanded Blackhawks team. Maybe we can coast a little bit. Then they found that the Blackhawks were actually giving them pretty good fight. And I guarantee you the coaches after the first yeah. game, you, you I, focus, wake up. people. I, I, I would like to believe that the, the players wouldn't even require the coaches to say anything. Um, that Dallas roster is really good. And um, there's no reason that they should have been able, that the Blackhawks should have been able to hang around in that. And, you know, I think, they turned it on that that following game and we saw the outcome. So yeah. All right. Well, I guess on that note, we'll wrap up this episode. Um Michael, you are on Twitter. MJ underscore Ernst. STH85. And as always, you can get our podcast on the Apple Podcast app and Spotify. And yep, there's I don't know if there's gonna be a lot of positives going ahead, but I'm thinking, you know what? Just think of the Penguins and the Oilers in a couple of years after they got their guys, they started to be really good. So yep. what happened with the Blackhawks? <laughs>